0: Welcome to Come Talk with Me. I'm Maxetta Gad, and I believe we all have a story. I also believe we can learn from each other. Sometimes we learn what to do, and sometimes we learn what not to do. My hope is we will learn we are not alone in whatever chapter of our story we are in. Welcome, everybody. We have some friends with us today, Josh and Alicia Lytle. They are in Ohio, West Virginia, and they are both running family care ministries, family care ministries, freedom homes, and they are both free from a life of addiction previously.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I am going to let them tell you a little bit about themselves. I will say I met Josh um, a while back. Josh actually was part of the Teen Challenge Center from Athens, West Virginia, that often comes to Webster County as the Teen Challenge Choir. And they they came yearly to the church that Chris and I are both involved in and members of. And that's actually where I met Josh. And I've heard his testimony and each time I listen to it, um, I learn more and more. And so I'm excited for he and his wife to share what God's done in their lives with us today. So, Josh, I'll let you introduce you and your wife and uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves.
2: All right. Well, Max said it's great to be here with you. Um, I think back, it was almost 17 years ago, the first time I was oh at, uh, we call it the Red Roof Church. It was almost 17 years ago and I was, I was a student on the choir. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, to look now, man, where, where God's brought me from, from that point to here is nothing short of of a miracle for sure. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm we're blessed to be able to be here. Uh, my, my wife, Alicia is my, my partner as far as that yeah. goes in ministry. And, um, she, she keeps me going, you know, she keeps mm-hmm. me motivated and, and, uh, she does a tremendous work here at the freedom home mm-hmm. and she got a really powerful testimony as well. So, um, okay. do you want to start by just sharing uh, a little bit of your story, Alicia?
1: Yeah. So um, I started out. Um, oh, I, I'll just start here. So in, in November of 2017, I was um, detoxing from heroin and I was in the Columbiana County Jail and I was seven months pregnant. And because I was um, going through withdrawals, it put me into premature labor and um, I gave birth to my son. Um, they shipped me out to the hospital and I gave I had to go back to the county after I um, I had him and he went into the custody with my mom, who um, also had my two other boys. And um, I I, I learned um, in my teenage years that my dad used, my mom used. Um, So it was just, it was like the normal kind of lifestyle that I lived. Uh Um, And I was in in and out of jail. Um, I was in prison for years. I was in and out of psychiatric units. I think I was on psych meds from the time I was 13 until oh. um, I got saved. And um, I met Jesus when I went to Teen Challenge um, back in 2016. Oh. And um, it, it was it was an amazing experience. I didn't really know if God was real. I just um, heard it was the most successful way to get clean and sober. And I really wanted to do that for myself. It It's something that, something that I had longed for and I know – that my kids deserved. So, um, I went there and it it was a, it was a, um, it was a life-changing experience. I, I did, I was like in the throes of detox there my first few days there. And I can just remember all the staff praying outside of the room and laying their hands on the walls and just praying. And I just remember being so enraged and angry that they were praying for me and that they wouldn't stop. Um, but God delivered me from there. I, I ended up not um, having the lasting withdrawals, like I normally had, um, probably thousands of times before that. And, um, I just fell in love with the Lord, something that I had inflicted on my own child, um, while I was pregnant with him, where he had to detox. I couldn't believe that, um, I was so undeserving. And if anybody deserved to lay there and suffer through those, those withdrawals and that detox symptom, it would have been me And that, um, that God showed me that grace and that love. And I just, Committed to my life to telling everybody that I come come in contact with that Jesus is the answer and that He could set you free.
0: Hey man, thank you so much. Hey Alicia, would you tell how, how many children did you have before you went to Teen Challenge?
1: Um, I had three boys. Three boys. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you use when you were pregnant with each of them, or just the one you told us about?
1: Um, just the one that I I I, I was sober. Before um, I got sober, meaning like I didn't have any like detox withdrawals, like I would smoke weed and stuff like that, yeah. until, like I was okay. But like not while I was pregnant with them. So yeah. um, both of my two pregnancies previously was um, they yeah they they didn't have any issues at all. It was no problem. Right. I didn't use at all. So you're our first female guest on here that
0: has a, a past of addiction. So if you could, could you speak to the females a a little bit about, um, what, what was it like when you, you you had to, I'm just thinking about when I gave birth to my kids, you know, then they bring them back into the room and you get to hold them and bond with them. Can you tell me a little bit about what it was like having to leave your son and go back to jail?
1: Um, it was, it was absolutely traumatizing. Honestly, that experience Mm -hmm. was, um. It was something, like, because they didn't believe me that I was in labor. Um, The nurses treated me like absolute trash, which I was deserving of. Of course, they probably see that all the time. And um, it, it was just a really tough experience. They wouldn't even let me, like, call home to let my family know that I had the baby. I remember I had to sneak out of the hospital room in my robe and run down, like, two doors just to grab a phone to sneak back into my room so I could let my family know because I was so scared that he was going to go with strangers in foster care.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's wow. But you know, that even shows at that time, even though you, you had some issues going on, like your first concern was your son, was your baby, you know, and him being safe. Wow. That's amazing. Goodness. So you had been, you had tried other rehabs, correct? Like secular rehabs and detoxes before Um, I never
1: did anything inpatient. That was actually Mm -hmm. my first inpatient, um, treatment that I had ever tried. And it was 12 months long. (laughs) Um, I had tried like, um, a detox center, like down here at like the city hospital where they do like five to seven days of detox. And then, um, I was doing like family recovery out in Lisbon, Ohio, where they would give you Suboxone Uh um, and stuff like that. And you would have to do meetings, um, honestly like I really really wanted to be clean I know that like they gave me subutex while I was pregnant and I ended up like letting some girl borrow some of mine that ran out and she didn't pay me back and then I was detoxing and then it just sent me in a whole another tailspin It nothing nothing worked for me yeah
0: when you started using was it to like fill a void or was it just mimicking you said both of your parents used can you tell me a little bit about I mean because you were young you know when you started like kind of what the thought process or what led you to even start trying drugs or alcohol did you did you do both drugs and alcohol or
1: yeah well I think I think the void I I always tried to fill was that um like I wanted like my mom I wanted that relationship with my mom and my mom was a nurse so she worked a lot and then um her, and my dad split up at a very, very young age, so she would go out on like poker runs with like different boyfriends and stuff like that. So it was yeah. like, it's like she was absent a lot. Um, so it was, it was my choice. It was my choice of friends for sure. It started out with just like yeah. um, drinking like wine coolers or smoking weed, and then it just progressively got worse. And then um, eventually, I I found out my mom did cocaine. I found stuff in her room, and then I talked her into doing it with me. Like, and I felt like that. I had my mom back. Like I felt yeah. like I could bond over that, which right. is sad. And thankfully, my mom's clean today oh, and free God. and clear. But um, yeah. yeah, it was it was just kind of the norm. My grandpa, he was in prison. He got sentenced to twenty seven years in prison, federal prison for drug trafficking and um, a bunch of charges. So it's it was it's breaking generational curses.
0: Yeah, that only God can do. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you so, so much. So you're in, in the teen challenge now. Let's, we'll kind of fast forward to that. And you said you were, you detoxed there, correct? Yeah. And so once you got to a point where your mind was clear and I mean, you kind of realized like, wow, there is, there's freedom out there. Will you talk to me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, God showed up in an amazing way my first encounter with the Lord where he delivered me from detoxing. And like, Mm -hmm. I knew that he was real at that very moment, but then you still have like those doubts in your mind. So I just remember, like, um, I would always pray like, okay, God, so if you're really real, like I'd lay out these fleeces before the Lord before I even knew what Mm -hmm. fleeces were. (laughs) And I would be like, if you're really real, have this pastor come up and pray for me at the service tomorrow. And then Mm. it was like, sure enough, he did. He came up and he prayed in the spirit and laid his hands on my head. And it was just, it was just one encounter with the Lord after another and just yeah. absolutely falling in love with Jesus. I remember yeah. when I actually gave my heart to the Lord. I had no idea what that was because I didn't grow up in church. And she was like, would you want to? And I was like, sure. And I just we prayed together and prayed like, in prayer. And I had um, no idea what was in store for me for the next year. So it was just um, I remember like I would lay in the prayer room and just uh, weep and cry and I would, I could just hear the Lord and the spirit just singing over me. And I'm like, yeah, right. He is not singing <laughs> over me. And then I would read it in the word that he, he rejoices does. over us with, right. with songs. And I was like, wow. So he'd always bring that confirmation for me that, that I was, that I was hearing from him. And it, it was, it's, it's amazing.
0: That still gives me chills. I love it. Boy, he'll meet us right where we're at. I love it. Oh, Ooh. praise God. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: <laughs> so, as you started to grow, like you started to see these things become real and you're like, okay, this, this God, okay, maybe there's something to him. (laughs) Um, Mm. Do you know about how far in you were to the program when you started realizing, okay, I've got to do a little work too. Like he's, he's real, but I've got to kind of start forgiving people, healing my, you know, getting to the other side of the hurt that, that the life of addiction had had led you in
1: yeah I I don't remember it being um hard for me I just remember that it was something that I absolutely longed for so I think like the emotional pain that came with like forgiving people and like revisiting stuff like that I like that stuff was very hard um Uh and like I think the biggest hurdle that I had there was learning to trust the team there the staff because I didn't really? have i I didn't have trustworthy people in my life, so I think that was once I finally like overcame that huge hurdle. It was it was very easy for me uh, yeah. after that. But that was definitely my biggest one is to believe that they really wanted good for me and they wasn't like scheming behind my back as as most people would have done um, previously. So that's right, yeah.
0: That's awesome. I'm loving this. We may or may not get to Josh today, folks. I mean, <laughs> I hey, that's fine with me. You're bringing some fire today. <laughs> so, Alicia, what would you say to to young ladies, to girls now, say teens, preteens? You all probably know more so than me what age all of this starts to come about. Like, what would you tell them to encourage them to stay away from? the lifestyle of drugs and alcohol, like what would your advice be to them?
1: Um, I know that the saying is that you, um, you are who you hang with. So you have to be yeah. very close with who who you keep around you. And, um, uh, it's, it's biblical that That's right. you're, you're going to end up with uh, like the same company that, that you keep around. So it's very, very, very good to, to be open and honest. And then if you're hurting to reach out and get help and, and don't hold it in and then, if you do hold it in, it, that comes with trying to numb it with drugs and work through things on your own. So there is absolutely people out there that will will help you. Um, we have a teenager here in our center now, and it's it's just, it's absolutely amazing just to get to watch her, um, get to know the Lord and give her heart to Jesus. And um, it's really tough when you're in the moment because we have that, I know everything mentality as teens yeah. that uh, we don't really need help. So it's, yeah. it's good to know that there's just people out there would just that just care about you, that would listen, that you're not alone.
0: Yeah. Hey Amen. And I do like, I want to pick up on two things and really stress to the listeners. You heard in her testimony earlier when I asked her, you know, where this all started and she said, I was hanging around people. I started hanging around people that were using. And then she talked about how being in Teen Challenge, going through detox, she heard people outside the door praying for her. So let that speak volumes to you about who you hang around with, who you surround yourself with matters. It matters very, very much, no matter what age you are. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for that. Thank you.
1: Yeah, you're welcome.
0: So, Josh, will you tell us a little bit about yourself and your testimony, please?
2: Yeah. So, um, Max said, I remember back in, uh, in 2005 being absolutely, um, broken, you know, in mm-hmm. and, and so many ways, I, I don't even know how to, to describe each and every way that I was broken emotionally, spiritually, physically. I didn't even know that I was broken in some of the areas that I was. Um, mm-hmm. And my peace came from dope and heroin and alcohol. And I drank every day. I smoked weed every day. I, I shot dope into my veins every day. And uh, for some reason, this day was different. You know, I had totaled five cars in one year um, this last year that I was doing drugs in 2005. Um, and I, I stuck a needle in my arm. I remember seeing the blood fly back into that needle. I pushed that plunger in that, that, that was my piece. That was, that was the way that I functioned. It was about six thirty in the morning. And, uh, I started driving down the road and, and I don't know the amount of drugs I put in my body was different for some reason. And I started passing out behind the wheel and, um, you know i i woke up and i was about to hit the the other guardrail on the opposite side of the highway and when i seen the guardrail i just swerved and uh, when i swerved I, I swerved right into oncoming traffic and hit another vehicle head on going about 50 60 miles an hour mm. and um i remember feeling an impact like like i can't even describe it and um when i came to like the if if you've ever been in a car wreck when that airbag pops out it, smells like a sulfur smell like it like you, you almost can't you got to just like try to get away from it and um I remember trying to get away from that smell It was burning my nose real bad but I couldn't move and like um man I I looked down and I was looking at the bottom of my foot my, my leg was snapped completely in half and I was looking at the tread of my shoe on the bottom and I knew I was broken up I knew I was in bad shape and uh I remember seeing a paramedic like peeking over the window scared to see what she was going to find and they cut my car in half with the jaws of life. They, they put this rubber thing in my mouth and said, just scream. And uh, I remember them pulling me out of there and just feeling um, the most intense, extreme pain I've ever felt in my entire life. And uh, it, like, hit me all at once. And they put me in a life flight helicopter, and they fly me to, to Pittsburgh Hospital. And um, I find out that my shoulder, um, my hip, my knee, my shins, both of them, my ankle – um, was all completely crushed. I mean, not just broken, but the doctor said it's in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pieces, like um, just totally crushed. Uh, and I remember, you know, going through all these surgeries, and and I kept waking up in the middle of surgery because the amount of drugs that I was doing, they couldn't even like, they didn't even have enough drugs to like keep me asleep, and I kept oh, waking wow. up with them drilling and and mm-hmm. doing all this crazy stuff, man. And uh, yeah, I wake up. And, and you know you, you just you can't help but lay there in your mind go how did I get here you know what I'm saying yeah. like how yeah. in the world did I get here you know I'm, I'm not able to move I'm not able to get dressed I'm not able to use the bathroom I'm not able to do anything on my own how in the world at, at 24 23 years old how am I here you know yeah. um yeah it, it was a it was a very a very rude awakening, you know, It mm-hmm. was reality it just didn't seem real.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you've had since that time, am I correct that you've had to have surgeries? But did it stem from that wreck?
2: Yeah, it did. I've, okay. I've had a bunch of surgery. I mean, even this yeah. past year, right. I had uh, total ankle replacement. Um, I've had like seven surgeries in the past couple of years just from complications from that car wreck. Yeah, for yeah. sure.
0: How did you get through those surgery, Josh? Uh, the ones you've had since finding freedom. How did you get through those without? Do you do I want to say relapsing or getting addicted yeah.
2: again to yeah. Play meds? Yeah, basically. Or? Um. Uh, the Lord. You know, many many yeah. prayers, lots of support from my wife and from the people that are around me. Um. Yeah. You know, and and uh. And it's it's a lot different today, you know. That they have a lot of laws in place, honestly, where um they they don't just give you that's true. meds and yeah. meds and meds. They there there's so many, there's such an alarming number of overdoses and people that were addicted that they've um they put a lot of laws in place where they can only prescribe you, you know, so much. Um, right, that right. Way that's people right. Aren't, aren't mm-hmm. as addicted as what is what they would have been in in previous years.
0: Yeah, that's true. That is true. Thank you for that. Yeah. So, Josh, how old were you? when you started at Teen Challenge?
2: Um, I was like 23 years old. Um, 23, yeah. Yep, I was 23. It was in uh, 2005. I got in that wreck. And, um, you know, my family believes in the power of prayer. My dad's a preacher. My pap was a preacher. Yeah. And, um, you know, just like Alicia, di- different scenario. But um, mm-hmm. but I remember laying detoxing and withdrawing and hurting. And mm. and they would, um, I would hear people praying. And I would like pull down the covers. And they would have like people from the church around mm. my bed, laying hands on me and praying for me and, and believing God for a miracle and more yeah. than physical healing. They were praying for, for my salvation, you know, just, right. um, but they would pray and they would believe God for, um, for miracles, man. And my pap, uh, who was like my buddy, you know, he, he, he was just so awesome. He always showed me the, the love of Jesus and, and faith. And, uh, he would pray in the spirit over me, man, and, and, and speak truth to me and, and speak the word of God. And, uh, you know, um, I remember just, just having so many people, not one person that I hung out with from my past came to that home one time in wow. almost a year of me yeah. laying in a hospital bed. It was only people from the church, people yeah. that love God. I mean, those are the ones who showed up that, that prayed for me, that helped me, mm-hmm. um, that stayed with me. And then, um, I, I cried out to the Lord, you know, I remember it like one, two in the morning, my pap would say, just say the name of Jesus. And, um, there's so much power in that when you when you don't have the words to to utter, you know, yeah, you just, that's right. You just say the name of Jesus. And uh, and I would at one, two in the morning, I'd cry when nobody else could see me. And I was too macho at that time to cry. Now I'm a big crybaby baby anytime <laughs> I get in the presence of the Lord. But like then I didn't want to. So I would cry and I'd just say Jesus. And um, he began to make fake parts that weren't supposed to work, uh, work again. And yeah. I was able to walk. I never went to physical therapy um, you know, anything like that. God, God did an absolute miracle in my life and, uh, I was able to walk, but you know, I took it, I, I, I took it for granted. Like I kind of, kind of like sometimes we do, I got what I wanted and my need for God wasn't as, as, uh, as great. And I kind of put them on the back burner and that's when I slipped back, um, into addiction, like, like I never thought I would. And, uh, you know I was facing like 30 some years in prison I had four cases against me um and that's when i reached out for help and the idea of teen challenge came up from my mom and dad uh okay. they went to my pap's church the choir that mm-hmm. I ended up being a part of you know what i mean but they went to my pap's yeah. church one time and uh so my pap knew about him and spread the word to my mom and dad and um you know they knew the only help that out that i needed was jesus you yeah know? um and so that's what i ended up doing i was, I was it was uh 2006 the end of 2006 I got released from uh, um, Pittsburgh Allegheny County um, uh-huh. to go to Teen challenge
0: wow so you were 23 here you go so you went from jail right
2: yeah yeah okay. I was locked up looking at um, getting sent away for a long time and they they released <laughs> me from jail to be able to go right right to Teen challenge
0: wow so here you are you're 23. Now honestly, were did you decide to go to teen challenge just to get out of jail at that time? Yeah. Did, you did. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was
2: it was uh my mentality was okay, go to prison to him an old man or mm-hmm. um go to church camp, you know, sing Kumbaya <laughs> for a year. I was like, Yeah, <laughs> yeah send me put get me around the campfire, I'll go. You know, right. I know it's I know it's yeah. gonna be good people, but I, I really didn't know what to expect. I thought there was gonna be a drill sergeant like yeah. screaming at me from like reading the rule book and stuff. I thought um, I really didn't know what to expect. I just knew that it was better than being locked up.
0: Yeah. Alicia, when you went to Teen Challenge, did you go from jail or was it a choice like I, I need help, I'm going?
1: Yeah, it was it was a choice. I was actually okay. um at home and uh-huh. I was just I was just searching around for help and uh-huh. I just remember just crying out on the couch that I was like sick and I just remember Lord like you have to help me or take my life. And my grandmother at the time was going to church and her pastor said that he could get me help and um, get me somewhere that has the the highest success rate. And he had me sold there. And he's like, it's Jesus for breakfast, lunch and dinner. And I was like, yeah, OK, <laughs> hey. like, I wasn't serving the Lord. So it uh, didn't really dawn on me what he was saying. I just yeah. I knew that it would be the most successful and best chance I had to not keep letting my kids down and Good to be free. You. So I just yeah. jumped in.
0: Good for you. That, that's awesome. I love that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That That's great. A few months there with us. But what what was that like, Josh? Like, did you buy into it? Were you like, I don't know what's going on? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I I grew up in church. So I, yeah. I knew, I, you know, I knew like the church in ease. I, I knew, I knew all <laughs> the Christian lingo and I knew uh-huh. when you were supposed to raise your hands and, yeah. and, and, you know, so it was hard for me to, to, to be re, like, to really Real. Get yeah. it? I always say mm-hmm. now I'd rather work with people that's never been to church in their life because yes. yeah. when they start to experience it like it's brand new it's very real and yeah. so I was very hesitant to like to to lift my hands to surrender to go to an altar at first um,
1: uh-huh. you
2: know it, it when I first got there I mean I was like they were praying for me they were I, I was I was you know but day two is when I really, really, really encountered Jesus for, for my, myself, and I got yeah. saved. Um, yeah, day two, but, all right. Yeah, okay. but then I started feeling very guilty and ashamed, okay. and I started to, I, I carried this weight, like, you yeah. know better, you've known better, like, you you know these scriptures that they're saying, your pap's told you, your dad's told you, you haven't listened. So I really, I believe that God could set me free, but at the same time, I thought, like, maybe I had done too much, you know, that—, that yeah. I knew better and I didn't do it anyway. And God, I I thought like God had this big scroll of, uh, all my negative choices that I made that he was going to roll out when I got to heaven and, and I was going to be punished. You know, I, I just had a lot of guilt, a lot of shame. So it was hard for me to really dive in and experience that freedom that God gives because of just my, my own thoughts about
1: it.
0: Yeah. Listen, I can relate to you. Um, when Chris and I got married in 1997, I too had grown up in church, been to every church camp, revival, yeah, knew the whole thing. And my parents lived it too. I mean, we weren't a perfect family, but I'm telling you, I, I saw them. They weren't just church on Sunday. They were, right. we loved Jesus seven days a week. right? So. Um, so when Chris and I got married and he gave his life to the Lord, and I guess I came back to the Lord, rededicated, whatever terminology you want to put there probably the first five, maybe 10 years of my relationship with the Lord was really going through the motions of what I thought was right, right. what I, I knew to do. I right. don't even know that I picked up my Bible other than when I was in church. Yes. And I was teaching a Sunday school class that we went to a different church. And I, well, I would pick it up to prepare the lesson for him. But about, well, yeah, we were, I don't, well, I know when it was. It was when my, youngest son was born in 2004 i just knew there was more to christ that i needed right and and we did have we did do a church change there wasn't any hard feelings or anything just something more and it, it wasn't till we got to eag or red roof that i really surrendered like he became real like it was a real relationship like right Oh, this is like we're not just going. This is real stuff, you know? right? And I think about who I was during those five or ten years. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, my kids and I. We, I've talked to them about it since then, and we joke about it. I'm like, please, just just pretend like that didn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> like, that was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So there is definitely something about actually encountering him on a, a personal level that's different.
2: Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. It was yeah. almost like it was almost like i knew jesus i knew the jesus that my mom and dad and my papa That's right like mm-hmm. I, I knew that jesus but like i never really i can tell you about him but i never mm-hmm. really like i never really could speak to it um on an intimate level like that i we yeah. really encountered him in this way and it's mm-hmm. transformed my life you know so yeah it happened a lot of other people but i i didn't i think it was a a self-esteem thing too i don't i don't mm-hmm. think i felt quite worthy to, to have him and to have his forgiveness like other people had you know I thought maybe that my my punishment was 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 gonna be that I just felt very guilty yes yeah
0: yeah I I can relate to that as well yeah and so Alicia you went into it you did not have any type of background in church correct
1: no I didn't at all I had always longed to like get sober and be clean and and to be a good mom for my kids but I everything that I tried was so um it was so depressing. Like you go to NAA and you say, I'm always going to be an addict. And then it's just one day at a time. And you're talking Mm -hmm. about drugs constantly and every, every time that you're there. So it was just like, it was very hopeless and um, Mm -hmm. there was no freedom in that. So I always went back. I always just failed and go into teen challenge. Like I said, I wasn't even sure if the Lord was real or not, but he showed up in a way that he knew that I would need him to. Um,
0: There was no denying him. Yeah, absolutely. I love Alicia, and for the listeners, this is the first time that I have met Josh's wife, and really, we're on a, um, a phone connecting, but just in this little bit of time with her, I can hear, like, your love for your children has always been there, like, that has been the driving force for you, and can you talk to women, I'm going to tell you, as an outsider, I hear a lot, moms that had kids and in addiction, and then the kids were removed, you know, by the state can, can you talk to women both in addiction and then the women setting back, I guess, kind of pointing fingers saying, why can't they just stop for their kids? Why can't they do this for their kids? Like, why can't they just get off of this for their kids? Can, can you talk to both
1: sides of that? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, especially as, um, like women, like, Satan comes for everything that you have, so you Mm -hmm. feel like, okay, I'm just doing some pain pills because I have pain, and then like, so every boundary that I set for myself, quote unquote, to not be as a drug addict or be as bad as the next person, um, I swore I'd never do heroin. I was just Mm -hmm. gonna do pills, and then. I crossed that boundary and then I was shooting heroin. And then I said, I can't believe they're prostituting themselves. And and then I was mm-hmm. doing it. And then I can't believe I just seen a pregnant girl at the dope house just the year before I was so disgusted over it. Couldn't believe it. And then it was me. And it yeah. was like every, every boundary that I had set, it was just Satan just comes for all of you. And, um, and it, you think that you have it under control and you, and you really don't, it's, it's a really, um, it's a really hard place to be in. And that cycle just continues. And then you're sick and, you just don't want to be sick, but you can't function without it. And that is just, it was a really, really tough time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm convinced anyone in addiction, they're not enjoying their life. It's a life of torment. It really is. I mean, it's darkness and torment. So when we see moms that are pregnant or moms that, you know, their the state has to step in and take their kids. This isn't what that mom wanted. She mm-hmm. does not want to live like that. Absolutely not. She's I always just feel like she's
1: overwhelmed with darkness and no hope. Yeah, so, A spiritual battle. Um, I really believe yeah. that God set me free from a lot of demons, and um, yeah, I just believe that that's Satan's, that's his tool, and that's what he does. He's really sly mm-hmm. and cunning at first, and he gets you just yeah. with this thing, and then the next thing, and then the next thing, and before you know it, you look back and you're like, "How the heck did I get here?"
0: Yeah, yeah. So, what would you tell women <laughs> that are and you? Listen, you just, you bring out any part of you you want to here with this question. What would you tell women that are are on the sidelines saying, look at that woman. She needs to get herself together or I can't believe she's using while she's pregnant. What do those women, I feel like those women also need Jesus. You know? mm-hmm. but how could I mean, how can we get through to those women and what can those women do instead of shaming the ones in the pit? What can they do to help the uh, the hurting women?
1: Uh, you can just come alongside them and love them and um, offer offer hope and offer yeah. help. And they probably won't hear it at first because they don't trust anybody. So just start to build that and be consistent and just to keep pressing in and then start to help to break down those walls. Um, yeah. Don't enable, but just yes. judge and, and love them where they are. I had That's an right. experience. Um, there was a nurse when I actually delivered. My son, and she was the meanest, nastiest woman that I have ever met. Um, she was wouldn't let. She didn't believe me. I was in labor. She wouldn't help me when I was crying. I was in pain. I was like, "Can I just please have, have an ice cube?" And she was like so nasty to me. And then um, I ended up having an encounter with her. No, I don't even know if I can talk about it. I just remember she she ended up down at um, Family Care's office one time, and she said that in that moment um, because I just looked over and I was like is my baby okay is my baby okay and she said that um, God really softened her heart towards people that come in there pregnant and addicted in that moment and I had never known that Hmm. God used me in that way to soften her heart because I was just so concerned about my baby so it's really cool to see
0: yeah it is thank you for sharing that yeah very much so he was already using you yeah and I love what you said. Just love them where they are.
1: Mm-hmm. Like if,
0: let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit in them. We don't have to fix them. We get to love them where they are. Yeah, that's good stuff. Thank you. Thank you so much. So <clears throat> let's talk about, I don't want to keep you all forever, but if we could touch on what the role of forgiveness plays in freedom. And for the listeners, through this interview, I know that we um, spoke in the past about recovery and maintaining recovery, and we praise God for that. Through this interview, we're going to refer to it as freedom and maintaining that freedom from a life of drugs and alcohol. So what does forgiveness play in maintaining your freedom, both for the addict and for others? like your close family, those that were with you during your, your time of addiction?
2: I think it's one of the most, it's one of the most important parts. Um, we, we do when, when people come to the freedom home here, um, we have like contracts, we call them, you know, Mm -hmm. so they might be in the, the identity contract, the who am I, um, the forgiveness, you know, and they go through, um, article after article and listen to sermons and, and, uh, write papers and, and write forgiveness notes to people and it's like yeah. it's so um we had a guy that just graduated named Dylan and um he attributes his success in when when like the light switch clicked on when the transformation happened is during that forgiveness contract he said you know I really didn't realize uh how much bitterness that I had you know and how much anger and and how much um how most of it stemmed from unforgiveness there there was actually a um a pastor that, that went into a psych ward and um, over the course of a few months, he said, if you'll just let me teach these individuals, I mean, these are highly medicated people, mm-hmm. um, you know, clinically um, labeled, like they're going to always be this way. You know what I mean? Um, always they, they this is how their brain works. They're messed up for life. And he started teaching them about forgiveness and took them through how to release then set yourself free from that prison of unforgiveness. And um, hmm. it was like three quarters of the people in that psych ward got off medications and was able to walk out of there um, wow. within like a few months. You know, it just, it's crazy how, how the devil uses unforgiveness to keep you bound and hardened and, mm-hmm. uh, and keep your heart from being softened from healing. Um, it, it really uh, both parties. I've, I've seen people come here, and forgive and begin to change and receive forgiveness Mm -hmm. and then like you'll see it like six months down the road their partner um shows up the one that actually called for them to get help and -hmm. they're so angry and they're so mean and they're so mad and you realize that oh man while this individual was getting help that one's just been sitting at home like stewing on all the and all the mistakes that this person made and um, they, they haven't been able to move forward they're still back at that place of pain and Hurt and uh, and let down, you know, and so mm-hmm. it's absolutely huge to to be able yeah. to, to receive and give forgiveness for sure. That's right.
1: I think we we see that a lot with even within our students here. So we we we'll begin to like they'll start to really struggle because we we don't teach them forgiveness right away. We we mm-hmm. teach them how to be grateful and and how to be obedient, how to renew their mind. Like those are the beginning things that we start to teach them. But sometimes. Um, we have to just bump them up and skip all of it to forgiveness because they they don't feel like their prayers are being heard. they don't they can't sure. hear from God. And um, I just remember sure. this one lady, Amy. Um, she was an older woman that had went through our program. And you can see when people have unforgiveness or or that bitterness within them. Um, but she really struggled and she started to work through that forgiveness. and I never, I'll never forget this. She was outside just walking on exercise and she comes flying in the house and she was like, mm-hmm. I just walked and talked to the Lord like he was sitting right there with me. He was responding and like she was like she could hear from him and she felt like she was connected again. So that that forgiveness is huge because it it really it blocks it blocks all progress.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. That's great. Thank you.
2: And Mm -hmm.
1: does
0: that tie into guilt and shame like Alicia you had shared just some of the choices that you made when you were in addiction and then now does any of that guilt and shame still come back up or is it I mean you are a new creation that you know old things are are gone they have passed away but is that something that lingers with people do you see or
1: yeah well I feel like it doesn't linger but there's moments Uh when things will come up like my kids will talk about a really like hard to hear memory or something that I did that really hurt them and it's like oh it's like that knife it's like and I just apologize. And I'm like, I'm so sorry because they hadn't went through what yeah. I had went through as far as getting to know the Lord and falling in love with Jesus and forgiving, yeah. healing and stuff. So I had to make sure that I was very, very sensitive to the fact that they're, they're still hurting and they're still they're still going to have questions. And in those yeah. moments of them bringing up things that they remember happening, just for a split second, you can't dwell on it, but you just have to remember it and then forgive Yourself, and then also like make make um make sure that they know that that's not who you are anymore, and and apologize.
0: Yeah, that's so good, good, good. What about your families? When everybody did experience freedom when you completed the training center, you're this new person. So, tell me um, how your families received
2: you. My family was super super yeah. excited. I mean, I was going I to bet. work in the ministry. Uh, mm-hmm. I still had to go to court for sentencing after I graduated. So there was a chance I may still go get locked up. And uh, <laughs> but they, they were very supportive. They were They were there with me. But I also mm-hmm. remember, like, I was in the program for almost 16 months. And then I did a three-year internship. And I remember mm-hmm. almost three years into me living a, a transformed life. I would go home to visit like once a year. I was about six hours from home mm-hmm. and uh, like the medicine cabinet would still be empty. And I knew that was because I was there, you know, there'd be like a couple bucks and some yeah. sitting on the counter. Like, and I knew that that's because I was there, you know, kind of mm-hmm. like a test to see if anything was going to come up missing. Um, yeah. You know, I had to like ask, Hey guys, like, eh, can I get some ibuprofen or something like that? You know, I, cause it was all hidden away. And I knew that was because I was there you know, so yeah. I, I, I didn't get offended by it. I remember, I, I remember I really, I was at peace with, you know what, um, they haven't been able to be around me that much since I'm living a different life. You know what I mean? And yeah, um, in years down the road, it, it changed. I never, I never brought it up. I never said, yeah. it. as I know this is, I just, I just smiled and prayed and was like, Lord, uh, Titus says by showing a pattern and all your good works, then people won't have anything evil to say about you. And uh, right. Like, man, I just got to show a pattern. I got to be consistent in who I am in the Lord. And uh, eventually my dad was like, you know, I put some money out there one time when you came home to visit. <laughs> Nothing came up missing. And I'm like, I, I know, dad, I know that's why I was there. And he was like, you did? I'm like, yep, I wasn't offended by it. I wasn't upset. And
1: hmm. so
2: they, they responded with, with love, with acceptance, with forgiveness, but also uh, with some caution. And I think they were still kind of like, all right, um, he's always been able to like smile his way through things and yeah. look like a typical addict, you know? And, and so like, they, mm-hmm. I think they were kind of waiting to see if my tune was going to change once, once the, once the crisis, once the trouble, once all the time over my head went away, like, was I still going to live this life? So they yeah. were a little cautious at first, but, um, yeah. but they were always there and they were always loving. That's great.
0: How important is it for the, I'm going to say the Josh's to give the family members some grace and some time to get used to the new you.
2: Oh, it's absolutely huge now, yeah. because you know you you walk people walk into the woods for ten years and expect to get out in a year, and it yeah. it doesn't happen. So you start the journey out, um, but you yeah. know they they've still been wounded, they've still been hurt, and just like yeah. you know somebody that's in counseling, it takes some time to work through forgiveness and and change. And all that kind of stuff, you know, um, clinically, it takes six months to two years for, mm-hmm. for your brain, uh, once you've been addicted or had issues to like, get back to where you can handle your emotions and make good decisions. So it's no different for them, you know, when they've experienced yeah. trauma, and yeah. uh, they've experienced some really hard things with a family member, it's, it's going to take some time for them to not think that way about you or not see you through that lens, you know, mm-hmm. or they may have moments where they see the new you, but then Um, you know, uh, they're, they're they're subject to attacks from the enemy too. So you might bring up some bad memories back in their mind and they might, um, struggle a little bit. So I think you have to give much grace, um, just like we've been given much grace.
0: Yeah, that's so true. So true. So can you guys talk to us about how to love someone in active addiction? I do love that Alicia already said, love them where they are. Do not enable them. How do we love them while wanting so badly for them to be delivered, to be rescued, to be safe?
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I think I think that I always have this picture come to my mind um, when I, I meet with moms that are, um, they don't struggle themselves, but uh-huh. the kids do. And it, there's a yeah. vision of like this huge iceberg. And you could just think of it like they're so frozen up with the enemy. So you can't, you can't pretend like what they're, you have to just, chip away at that like um that distorted thinking that distorted reality that they're they're living in like one thing at Mm -hmm. a time you always speak truth and you all you just start to chip away at it and just be consistent and 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 help them find that freedom
2: yeah absolutely i think you you have to do what you say you're going to do a lot of individuals um that that love somebody the struggling addiction they have these moments of anger moments of like oh, I could just shake them hard enough they'll listen, you know what I mean? If, yeah. uh, remember my dad was like, uh, he got so mad at times, he'd be like, why don't, why don't you just hit me? And I'm like, I don't wanna hit you, but it's so hard for that person not to take it personal because they feel like you're doing it to them, you know? But I think right. you set some very healthy boundaries. Um, you love them, you support them, but you set some very healthy boundaries and then you have to stick to those because people that are using drugs they're 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 master manipulators you know and they're going to try to talk you out of the boundaries that you've set to to no end you know so yeah. they have to know that if you said um, if you do this you can't live in this home right and if you say that in your emotions you have to be able to stick to that so you got to be very careful and, and you're not speaking out things in your emotions that you're not gonna hold to. Like my, my dad said, uh, you do it again and you're out of the house. And when I did it again, I thought, man, they're not gonna put me out of the house. I'm their baby boy, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he walked me to the door and said, you're not welcome here. And he was crying and my mom was crying and they were heartbroken, but yeah. he stuck to that. And I promise you, if he didn't stick to that boundary, man, I, I don't think I'd be here today. I really don't. Um, right. I think I think you can love somebody to death. And what I mean by that is you can you can for the sake of love, you can continue to give to them and give to them and and give to them to the point where um, that that's the very thing that that they could actually go. I I know people that have given Mm -hmm. so much financially that that's ultimately the the last two hundred dollars that they use before they overdose. So you, you have to you have to love them tremendously, be there like like us. Anytime mm-hmm. somebody calls, no matter how many times they burnt us, um, if they mm-hmm. ask for help, we're there. But yeah. um, we're there to bring them here and to help them and give them Jesus. But we're not here to go right. give them cash or give them rides yeah. wherever they want to go or anything like that. You know what I mean? We, we have that's very right. clear boundaries.
0: Yeah, that's good. Thank you for it. You explained that well. Good. Thank you. So I have some listeners that... Um, have younger kids seven eight i mean i call them still the young and innocent children yeah and um can you guys talk to the parents about is there anything they can do to prevent addiction what to look for as their kids get older if an addiction should start to surface
2: yeah yeah i think um identity is huge um it's, it's one of the biggest things that the enemy has used since uh, beginning of time, you know, to get people to question um, their worth, their value. You know, the answer that, that do I matter to anybody? Every, every child is, is asking that question. Maybe not those exact words, but, um, you know, they're asking that question, do I matter to anyone? And, and they're going to learn it. Um, so you might as well be transparent and open and talk about it with them and share with them what you believe, why mm-hmm. you believe that. Um, you know, and really the dangers of things that are out there. Um, I, I do assemblies in schools and like among the fifth graders, three quarters of a 500 person assembly have said they're already vaping. They're already experimenting wow. with drugs. Like, yeah. you know, and that's every school that I go to, almost 20,000 kids altogether. Um, if you yeah. add up all the assemblies. And so it's the same everywhere. So um really just talking to them about it, being transparent about it. So it's not like this big hidden thing. Um, you know, I, I think the more you talk about depression, uh, the Mm -hmm. more you make it just a thing that's not this big, um, scary, hidden thing, you know, the easier it is for people to talk about it when they struggle. Um, and also keeping them very accountable. Like at our house, if there's a question, um, we'll nicotine test them. If there's a question Mm -hmm. we've drug tested them. I mean, you know, we're, we're not, we're not just, um, you want to believe your children, and you okay. love them, and uh, but also we want to make sure that they know, like we're going to hold you accountable, and yeah. because because we love you, uh, we're going to make sure that you're doing right.
0: Yeah,
1: that's Our, so um, good. A fourteen year old, he got caught at school outside with a kid, and I was like, "Why were you guys outside?" And yeah, he said that the kid he was with was vaping, but he wasn't. So we tested him. Yeah, and you know, Max said I think another huge one is um, I think knowing what your kids are doing. With their cell phones, the internet. Yes. I think everybody should have parental controls on it, yeah. blocking that stuff to where because they get curious. They hear something at school, when they come home, they start googling it, and before you know it, the enemy finds that that mm-hmm. foothold in there. So if they try to isolate, you pull closer. You don't you don't let them. You make sure that they know they're loved, and you stay consistent.
0: Yes, boy, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's exactly right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I hear parents. We always did. All my kids, they pay for their phone now, so I don't, I can't do that. They're all adults, but yeah, yeah. Um, when they were younger, and we were paying for them, I, I, the way that Chris and I thought is, if we're paying for it, we can pick it up any time and go through it. Absolutely, you know, we have full access to it, and it was so funny because a lot of parents were like, "Oh, you you go through their phone? Like that's an invasion of privacy." I said, "Uh." Eh, Easy there.
2: <laughs> right, right.
0: You know, that, is, that is not um uh, that's me making sure that that's accountability. Something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they have to have that. Right. That's right. Yeah, we all do. You're so right. And I just want to you guys can expound on this also, but we're talking specifically about drugs and alcohol right now. But anything can be an idol and become an addiction. You can start worshiping anything, whether it be pornography it can be gluttony it can be people pleasing gossiping drugs alcohol um the size of your body eating disorders and i'm sure josh and alicia could list a thousand more but yeah anything that you put that that one keeps you in bondage you know shame and guilt those are not from god so so anything that you have to do or are doing in secret or that has that darkness attached to it there is freedom out there for you. It is just as important as if someone as the one that's addicted to drugs. You know, right. God wants us all to be free and walk in the freedom He provides for us. Absolutely. Um yeah. So will you guys tell us a little bit about what what the ministry that you two are doing now looks like, please? Um sure. so
1: right now we have um in Chester we have a residential woman center where um, women can come and live for six months. Um, Sometimes people need longer, but it's a minimum of six months. And they just begin that discipleship uh, process where um, they are studying in the word. They're learning how to forgive. They are doing work skills to teach them how to be responsible and um, start to work through issues and and receive healing and experience Jesus. Mm. Um, We have chapel services here. Um, so it's, and then we also have our men's center that's the set up the same way, but it's just in East Liverpool. Okay. Um, the guys come over to join for group class, um, throughout the day. So it's, it's, a, it's a really, really amazing, uh, thing that we get. I'm, I'm grateful I get to be a part of it because I've experienced it for myself. And then that was my heart was like, I just can't wait for, to tell other people about this so they sure. could experience this like true and real freedom that only Christ can bring. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm really you. blessed to be a part of what god's doing here
2: yeah
0: that's awesome
2: then we also max Etta, um we do a lot of we do a lot of counseling um okay. with i mean our youngest has been like four our oldest has been in their 70s you know what i mean yeah um, we do a lot of counseling we do a lot of uh we do a lot of seminars we go into schools we uh we have what's called a, it it's um it was called the dart program the drug abuse response team uh-huh. and so anytime the police Uh, have an overdose call anytime the drug task force is doing a drug bust. um, They would call and we would go to that house and they'll kick in the door, arrest Mm. the dealer, and we'll be able to go in and help the addicts. Um, So some of our students are here still because the chief of police has called us and said, Hey, we have someone handcuffed to the bench. Will you come talk to them? Give them hope. If they accept it, we can bring them with us. You know what I mean? And they'll, they'll shelf their charges until they see what they're going to do. You know what I'm saying? Um, Yeah. We also have uh, we, we're just getting ready to to launch it. Um, it's called Cornerstone Academy, and so mm-hmm. it's it's going to be an online thing where if people out there, um, just want to be discipled. They want to grow in their relationship with the Lord a little bit. Um, yeah, you know, um, they can go on, log on to Cornerstone Academy. Um, so they can do some of these contracts that we're talking about. Let's say they're struggling with identity, um, yeah. they can go on there and go through and. Um, they take little quizzes that are graded by us and stuff like that. And we can, uh, email back and forth. There's like a, it's like a, um, kind of like a social media platform or right? anybody that yes. they're friends with on there, they can, they can talk. There's um, like daily scriptures and encouragement and everything like that. So, um, really excited about that. Trying to, you know, you study really hard for something and you feel like God mm-hmm. gave you a word. And sometimes a lot of pastors, they they preach on Sunday and then everybody forgets in two weeks. You're like, what did I preach on two weeks ago? And they're like, <laughs> um, let me think, you know what I mean? I think I wrote yeah. a note on it. So we thought, man, what's a way that we could use, you know, these words that God's given, um, to help more people and, and to get the message out to more people. Yeah. And, and this is one way that, um, we've been able to do that. There's been people all over the, all over the United States that, that are able to get on here and, um, I, I, all the daily podcasts that I used to do are on there. They can go yeah. on there and listen to podcasts every day and some encouragement. And so, yeah. uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. What is the website, Josh? Uh, the website's www.seeinglivestransformed.com. So that's S E E I N G, lives plural with an S, and then transformed, uh, E D at the end of that transformed.com.
0: Awesome, and we will put that in the show notes also, so okay, people. Okay, cool. I really do. I got on there and looked around some, and I read all the testimonials. And of course, you know me, I was crying, and just <laughs> it's so good. So I really encourage all the listeners get on there and look around and get familiar. I'm I'm going to say a little something, and I want Josh and Alicia please correct me, add to, take away. But addiction does not discriminate. That the enemy is like she said earlier, out to steal, kill, and destroy, mm-hmm. and So it doesn't matter if you are in the highest tax bracket, the lowest tax bracket. It doesn't matter if you have kids, you don't have kids or he does not discriminate. But in the same token, Jesus doesn't either. Like everyone is welcome. He wants everyone and to be set free. So please get on there and look around. Even if I was a parent at one time. that was my kid will never they will never do that they will never and then before you know it they're nevering like they never have before so Mm -hmm. if you think your kid will never go ahead and get on the website and look around read the testimonies be encouraged by it and i love this academy shoot i may hop on there and (laughs) join in that That's awesome.
2: yeah you're welcome to do it
1: it just it just brought it like the discipleship that we're able to it's all the same stuff that our students learn here, but it's not just specifically for, we don't even talk about really like drug addiction or addiction. Yeah, we're, just, we're just yeah. leaving them to the Lord. And that's a lot of what's on there. So, yeah, it's it's yeah. a really great tool.
0: Yeah. Thank you. That's that's wonderful. Now, a couple more questions. But first, I want, Josh, you said something to me when we were talking and I wrote it down. I, I think I even put it on Facebook. You'll never outperform your own self image that's right that i love that i mean i <laughs> love it yeah so that to me says we've we have got to know our identity who absolutely we truly
2: are You yep. will There's... never
0: outperform it i love it
2: go A- ahead I'm everywhere sorry. you go people are putting labels on you they're they're um you know they're putting labels on you you go to you go to somewhere for addiction and they're calling you an addict and you're always going to have to identify as an addict and you'll never outperform that if that's really what you believe down deep that you are. So mm-hmm. you, you look at a – like I used to coach little kids football, and um, you see the kids that come in there that have a negative home life, and and they're, they're scared to death to fail. They're real timid. Um, you know, they're, they're they're not performing good, and you start to just build them up with words, literally. They don't even make good plays yet. You just begin to build them up with words and say, man, you're a champion. You're the hardest right. worker out here. You know, and just start to build them up and you you watch them begin to perform totally, totally different just by speaking to them a difference in identity. You know, um, Mm -hmm. you look back at Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Somebody so many know that that story Mm -hmm. in the Bible, they got thrown into the fiery furnace. And Mm -hmm. uh, the first thing that wasn't really their names. And um, the first thing that this wicked Babylonian king did when they brought him into their court was rename them you know try to give them a new identity and that was the first thing that they did to try to turn them um away from their god to to the god that the babylonians were serving a little Mm -hmm. the the little g god you know so yeah um, he's been using it ever since then And, and uh that's one of the greatest things that i get to teach here one of the biggest breakthrough classes that we do is um journey to the center of your Worth. And um, we have a top ten list of who they are in Christ, and uh, we talk about different things like that, and 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 do a lot of damage control, and really just re um, reteach, sometimes teach for the first time, really what what their uh, what their identity is, what does God say about them, what what lens does He see them through, and then they have to start to look through that same lens, you know, and until they mm-hmm. do that, um, they're never going to perform uh, like they want to perform
0: yeah that's right that's right amen to that yeah so you guys tell me what a a daily routine looks like for someone trying to maintain their freedom
2: okay well you know um here here we teach um we have a daily schedule form and basically Uh we're trying to teach them um what they're going to have to do in in the in the real world you know um get up. I'm, I'm big on giving your first fruits to the Lord. You know, I know we, we're, yeah. we believe in tithing and that kind of stuff, but I also believe that when we wake up, Lamentation says that his mercies are new every morning. So we have brand new, um, healthy buds in our brain that, that God has given us to start the day. And, um, so I believe that very first part of the day, you have to have, be grateful. And, uh, almost everybody, I teach them to have a gratitude journal, you know, mm-hmm. wake up and, First thing you do, first 10 minutes of the day, your first, your best, give it to the Lord. You know, just be thankful. Don't ask for anything. Just start to list things that you're thankful for. You know, my wife, uh, this roof over my head, my children, uh, breakfast, coffee, wh- whatever it yeah, is, you know. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just, just, just start your day off with three things that you're thankful for. Um, get into the word of God. You know, the Bible, mm-hmm. many, mm-hmm. many places, David was pouring his heart out to the Lord. You know, so you start with that. Start by being grateful, pouring your heart out with to God, um, and then you know ha- have your disciplines throughout your day. You know, be be talking to the Lord all day long about all things. Um, it's got to be that intimate relationship. He's your best friend. Uh, you know, just like when me and Alicia were dating, and still now we 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 would text about everything. You know, we mm-hmm. I mean, you, you talk for five hours before you go to bed, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Then you're going that's to bed right. and you're texting yep. through the night when you wake up, like you just wanted to yep. know everything's going on. And so that's the same thing with the Lord. You just talk to him throughout the day in that same way. Um, mm-hmm. And the same thing at night. I, I teach a lot of the people that I counsel with, have a reflection time in the evening. You know, you're doing little devos and and reflect back. You know, what, what attitudes that I had today that made it hard to, to be who I wanted to be? You know, what, um, what lens did I look through? Who did I encourage today? Who, what would I do different if I had the opportunity to do it again and just have mm-hmm. a little reflection time in the evening um, yeah. and thinking back on, on how your day went and uh, just being grateful. A lot, lot, of gratitude.
1: Yeah.
0: So good. So good. And when your um, students leave the training center, how important is it for them to
2: get connected with a church? it's everything. I mean, without Mm -hmm. that handoff, um, they fail, you know, it's just, it's so important to have a a Bible believing, um, Mm -hmm. spirit filled church that they can be a part of. I know a lot of them have graduated and said, well, I'm going to go back to the grandma's church. And it's not that (laughs) grandma's church is bad. That's right. But Mm -hmm. maybe they experience something here, um, that, that they don't, um, practice at grandma's church. You know what I mean? And so I've seen a lot of them go back. And um and kind of do that slow fade, you know. So uh-huh. it's so important uh to be bold, you know, to, to respect the ones who have helped you. It might have been grandma's church that helped you get to where you're at, you know what I mean? Yes. But uh yes. go where you're getting fed. You know, you have to yeah. go where you're fed and the spirit of God is moving. Um, you know, you you just you just have to get involved in the body of Christ. You know, everybody is changed and, and transformed for a reason, for a purpose. Nobody's supposed to just fill the pew. You know, everyone's got a calling and everyone's got a gift. So right. uh, it's so important to get involved in the church and, um, and use that gift. That gift might be stacking chairs. I don't know. It might yeah. be, you yeah. know, you yeah, know, they all it matter, is, but
0: that's right. I yeah. mean, from the people cleaning the bathrooms to Huge. Like you said, vacuuming, whatever they all matter. Yeah, they, do. they, yeah, yeah, they sure. do.
2: So nothing's, nothing's too small for the Lord, but yeah, that, mm-hmm. that handoff to the church is an absolute must you know they, yeah. they absolutely have to get involved there's individuals in your community that um yeah that I was able to, to work with over the years and uh mm-hmm. kind of kind of had those those struggles you know went back to yep. uh um a, a, a church that that was great people but it wasn't yeah. like what they experienced and what changed their life right and I seen them really struggle for years and then snapped out of it and, and got to a place where they were um You know, they were able to go where they were able to get fed a little bit more and and they've thrived Mm -hmm. since then. So uh, it's very important to to go where where you're you're able to have like minded people and, um, you know, and and continue to grow. That's huge. Continuing to grow.
0: That's right. I I agree with you. Yeah. So now we're going to shift a little bit to how does Josh and Alicia (laughs) stay healthy and whole and filled up? And, um, and your family as well. You guys pour out probably from the minute your (laughs) feet hit the floor until you get back in bed. You guys pour out to so many, you pour out to your children, to your ministries. Um, I know Josh, you, you preach some, I'm not sure about Alicia. Yeah. Um, you know, you guys are constantly giving, giving, pouring out. Do you, do you set boundaries for your family? Do you take to Sabbath? Do you get away sometimes? How do you guys stay healthy and whole and free?
2: Well, Max said, I, I was hoping you had the answer for us on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um,
1: I like and I'd like to tell sense. you it gets easier as the kids get
2: older, but I can't. I can't tell you. <laughs> right.
1: I think it's important to stay filled up and in the word and, and worship That's for right. your own self. And then um, mm-hmm. also like, here as a community together, but I like the scripture that says he who refreshes others will, himself will be refreshed. So you find that refreshing yes. in, in those moments of refreshing other individuals. Yes.
0: That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's right.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's good.
2: Yeah. And we look at it like we, we do it. Um, we, we, we do this together, you know? So yes, uh, yes. I think we understand if, if Alicia asked, uh, Hey, I got to run over to the girl's home and it's 10 o'clock at night. Maybe there's a situation yeah. or, um we have to go somewhere I, I think because of what we do both of us in the heart that we have for people you yeah. know we we can understand that but um you know it just uh it's just taking i, I think when you're home you have to be home and you have to be yeah. engaged with with your family as much as you can and it's easy I, i'm not i'm not the best at um not like zoning out you know sometimes mm-hmm. you pour out you pour out like you said and you go home and yeah and you're so exhausted you, you just you almost don't have nothing left. You know, you're you're there, but you're yeah. not there. So I, you know, you have to be very careful that, uh um, you stay filled up. That way, you have That's enough right. to pour out to to everybody. You know, because yeah. I, I my pastor used to tell me all the time, like, "What good is it if you win the whole world and your family is lost?" And
1: yeah, um, yeah. you know, you can't yeah. help
2: them. So I've always remembered that, um, yeah, that saying.
0: That's true. And I would guess with you too, Chris and I, a lot. I mean, we know each other. He can see when I'm wearing thin and maybe need some time, you know, to right. regroup or an extra yeah. hour of sleep. And I can see the same in him. So we, you know, we keep each other accountable and we watch out for each other as well. Right.
2: Yeah. yeah absolutely. I'm sure you
0: guys do that too. So we will wrap it up with, um, I want everyone that hears this podcast to know there is hope. There's always yeah. hope what you're going through today doesn't have to be your forever. Right. Um, one thing, when we talk about hope, I'm just a big believer where, where there's life, that there's hope. And I know that um, Narcan is uh, sometimes a bit controversial. I'm a supporter. I mean, we have it in our vehicles. I would, wouldn't would hesitate. Thank God I haven't had to use it, but wouldn't hesitate to do so if needed. Um, what is your thoughts on that, Josh and Alicia, both of you?
2: Um, I've I've helped hundreds of people that have been here because of Narcan you know, yeah. um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: hundreds. I mean, I, I know people say, um, what about the ones that you've them 15 times and they keep going back, you know? Well, my prayer, and as we fast and pray every week, you know, my prayer is that the 15th time might be the time that they say, that's you right. know what, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, and, that's and, right. you know, so as much as we can, um, keep breath, because if there's breath in their lungs, there's hope.
0: Amen. There's
2: no longer breath in their lungs then hope is gone, you know? So yeah. as long as there's breath in their lungs, there's hope. So um, if there's something out there that can give a person another chance at life mm-hmm. and another opportunity for somebody to, to, to give that message of hope to them, one thing I promise you that, that they don't need, people that are struggling with anything, drugs, alcohol, depression, yeah. they don't need anybody to tell them um, or make them feel any worse than they already feel. You know, amen. Um, so yes. They don't need anybody to say That's that right. that wasn't worth it. You should just snap out of it. Mm-hmm. What they need is somebody to to love them exactly mm-hmm. where they're at, like Alicia said, mm-hmm. and, and to be there anytime that they need it. Um to give them a word of hope, a word yes. of encouragement, speak speak their true identity to them. Yeah. Um change their headlines, because I guarantee you they don't look at themselves in a healthy way. So yeah. if you can change their headlines, you know, you can, uh, you can plant that seed of hope and it might not be the 10th, 15th, 20th time that you plant that seed, mm-hmm. but I know people that I've tried to help for six years and yeah. all of a sudden call you that day and say, you know what, I've never forgot any of those times that you reached out to me and I'm ready. Yeah. Um, and, and they're serving Jesus today. So, uh, God. yeah, always worth it. Always, always worth, worth it. it. Yeah.
0: Always worth it. Yeah. I always look at it as just from a mother's point of view. I don't, I will never give up on my child. I'm not going to give up on anyone else's. Absolutely. So if, if I have something that can help them, I would want someone to do that. You know, Absolutely. Mine. So, yeah. yeah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah,
2: no, no question. I mean, there, there's more people dying right now every year. Like three years ago, it was high. It was like 64,000 people died in mm. one year. And that was more than all of the Vietnam War combined. So since yeah, then, wow. that number has doubled. It's over 120,000 people a year dying from drugs. Um, that's yeah. it, if there was no Narcan. That mm-hmm. would be quadrupled, you know. So yeah. think of the people that got a second chance and then had somebody like myself, like yeah. you, like Alicia, that was there to give them hope at that point of crisis that may never need that again. But yeah. um, so if we can, if we can upper hoping and and extend that life to be able to to reach them with the gospel with truth um why why wouldn't we you know Uh, yeah yeah that's
0: right that's right okay so i'm going to put information about the website um the family care ministries the freedom home i'll put all of that in the notes in my podcast if anyone wants to reach out they can contact me and i can Get you in contact with Josh and Alicia. Absolutely. Do you all have anything? One thing, I, and it's my fault. I got in a hurry, and we didn't open in prayer, and that is my oh, fault. So before we close, I'm going to ask you all to pray. Um, pray for us, the listeners, and it's just a real heavy burden too for the the women. I I don't know if it's because where I used to work and the work that I I did. You just um, my heart just breaks for moms that yeah they, they want to be clean just hearing like alicia's story and dads too you know sure. but I, I just hear those moms that they want to do it they want to be there they want to be at the t-ball games but this addiction has just consumed them so mm-hmm. you know we'll, we'll pray over. i'll have you guys pray over those if you don't care before we end but is there anything we didn't say today or, that you guys want to share
2: i don't think so max that i i think <laughs> um you know i i think um, there's so much you could always talk about, but I I think, I think we, we brought up what needed to be brought up. I think it was good.
0: Yeah. Thank you all so much. And I, I want the guests to hear too. It's, it's so funny. You can go to Josh's, um, Facebook and you can see the picture of him and his wife and their family now. And it's amazing. I can't, myself can't even picture you guys you know, before uh, you found your freedom in Christ, so just look yeah. at what God can do in their family and through them. There's, you're never too far gone. So, Amen.
2: That's a fact.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I'll have you guys close us out in prayer, please.
2: All right. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Father, we just come to you right now, Lord, and I thank you for Maxetta, God. I thank you for for her um her obedience to do this podcast, Lord, and to get a message of hope out to those who may need it lord i just pray for for first of all for everyone that's listening god i pray that um that you would spark uh, a message of hope in each one of them god even if they're believers and and they're saved and on fire for you god i pray down to the one that that might be addicted and, and don't have a clue who you are lord the alishas that are out there the joshas that are out there that that are they're in a place of uh of brokenness and shame and guilt and loneliness, God, I pray that, that you would reach out to them, God, through this, and you would give them hope. God, you would let there be a light at the end of their tunnel. God, I pray that this would spark a, 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 um, an excitement in them, God, that, that they can be different, that they can come out of where they are, and there is an afterward to their situation, God. They're not stuck there forever. I know in addiction, it seems like that's going to be your life. It seems like that's going to be forever. And a lot of times, that's what we're told. But God, I just pray, Lord, that, that you would break down those lies from the enemy and you would let them know, God, that they can they can be totally mm-hmm. new creations, God, that the word says in Ephesians that they're, they're masterpieces, God, and they can be created anew right. to do the good things you have planned for them mm-hmm. long ago, God. You have good things in store for them, God, and they're masterpieces, Lord. That means a, a, a beautiful arrangement of words that make a picture, that make a, that make an image. That's so beautiful. It's called a masterpiece, Lord. So they can be changed and redeemed and loved and accepted and forgiven and, 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 and overcomers, Lord. They can be Mm -hmm. victors, Lord, if they just accept you and get the help that they need, Lord. And I pray for the ones that, that know you God, that that are out there that are listening. I pray that this would encourage them to, to speak hope to, to people everywhere they go. You can find somebody that's hurting. You can see somebody that's heads down and and they're walking in guilt and shame and, and pain, Lord. I pray that that we would be the ones that would be bold enough. God, I I can't, Maxetta can't, Alicia can't reach everybody, but but together as believers, mm-hmm. we can reach a thousand more uh, than right. we did yesterday. God, one pushed the flight a thousand, two, ten thousand. Imagine if 30 people that listen to this, God, were out there giving people hope and and giving them their true God-given identity just through words of affirmation and encouragement, Lord, yeah. God, those people can start to perform different because for the first time they might be hearing, I love you. You're, you you yeah. can do this. You're a champion. You can be a great mom. They don't feel like it. And they might not be acting like it, Lord, but I pray that, that there's listeners that are hearing that right now would be able to speak that to people who need to hear it. God. And I pray that there'd be a, an absolute revival that stems from that. God, I yeah. pray that, that um, yeah. you would let there be a, a national God change that would come from those that are hearing this Lord, that decide to to speak hope to those. God, I pray that way more than we could be critical and we critique and, and we question if we don't understand it. I pray that we would look past all that God, and we would be encouragers in Jesus name. Lord, I just pray that uh, you would help every, every mom out there that Mm -hmm. that's, that's got children that feels like a failure that doesn't feel like she measures up that looks at these other moms on Facebook and, and all these things that are doing for their kids and they feel like they're comparing and they don't feel like they measure up. Lord, I pray that you would give them hope right now, Lord, and let them know that there's people out there, God, that want to pour around them, that want to help them, that, that want to love them, God. And Lord, that they can be, absolutely they can be the best possible mother for those children, God, mm-hmm. because you can make them into that, Lord. So I pray that you would give them hope right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray for every heavy burden that's on their shoulders to be lifted, God, and that you would let them know that you're the one that's lifting it in Jesus' name. God, just just reach the people that need to be reached, Lord, and for that, we give you the glory. I thank you for this opportunity, God, to be able to share your Word. It says always be willing to give an account for the hope that you have, God. So I mm-hmm. thank you that we have hope. I thank you that me and Alicia yes. both and yes. Maxetta, God, and, and we, we, we have hope. We we've, we've been touched by you, God. We have the promise of your precious Holy Spirit. And so God, I thank you for that. God, I thank you for the time that we had, and I pray God again that you would um you would let many, you would let many find hope and encouragement through this in Jesus name I pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Josh. We we just appreciate you all so much and the work you're doing. Yeah. And I will also share with the listeners, I'll do a little add-on. This is something Chris and I have failed to do, but that will change today. You can partner with the freedom homes and you can sponsor a student or you can give one lump sum or monthly um correct me if i'm wrong you do not get any state funding correct
2: no we, we don't we don't um uh, right. we don't have any mandatory charges or anything like that for people right. to come here most of the people we bring in come in with barely the clothes on their back yeah you know yeah. what i mean so um yeah we, everything we do is by faith
0: yes and so if you want to um, contribute to that you know they've got utility expenses they got to feed people. Um, they have uh, supplies that they need there and they have staff that also have mortgages that need paid so um i will be sure to attach the information in the show notes about how you can partner with them as well so
2: yeah one really you easy way maxetta um if, if anyone's yeah. listening and they want to give
0: yeah. Yeah. they
2: can they can text the number 44321 okay 44321. Okay. Four, Three, two, one, text. Yep. Okay. And then they just type in the in the in the text seeing lives transformed. Okay. And if they do that, it'll send them a, a secure link and they can give right from the comfort of their home or their phone or however they want to do it.
0: Awesome. That's awesome. And I, I'm sure I'm confident when I say this that the givers are prayed over. I'm sure that Josh and Alicia and the staff um, pray over those that contribute. So just know that you're sowing in into good ground
2: there. Absolutely.
0: All right. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. More than you know. Thank you. We appreciate you so much. Alicia, it was great to meet you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thanks guys. Have a good afternoon. Thank you for joining us today please remember folks, we are all in this thing called life together. We may be in different parts of our story, but maybe, just maybe, by hearing from others, we will be reminded we aren't alone. If you are enjoying this podcast, please give it a follow and please feel free to leave a five-star review wherever you listen to it. This helps others find the podcast, and it sure makes my heart happy. You can also find me on YouTube at Maxetta Gad with new episodes each Wednesday. Let's do it again next week.